In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, Jesus, your Son, taught us how to pray. And he told us to call you Abba, Father. Because we have received the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul calls it, which has filled our hearts with your presence, with your love, and moves us to call you Abba, Father. So we believe, Heavenly Father, that you created us out of love. We believe that you have redeemed us out of love. We believe that you have called us each by name out of love. We believe that you have claimed us for yourself, through yourself and in yourself, out of love. That you desire to have us be with you. We believe that we make you perfectly happy just for who we are. That you love everything about us. That you love to be with us, that you love to see us. And we ask you, Lord, to increase our faith this morning. Help us to have an expectant faith here. Because we've all taken time out of our day, out of our week, to spend it here in prayer. And we know, we believe, we are confident, we trust that you are very excited about this opportunity to bless us, to show your heart to us in a new way, to reveal your love for us to each and every one of us here in a new way. We believe that there are so many dimensions to your heart, to your love for us. You love us as a father, a brother, a friend, a spouse. That makes us your children, your brothers and sisters, your spouse, your friend. And you even allow us to be mothers and fathers in the spirit, giving life to each other as you have given life to us, eternal life. Mother Mary, we can't forget you today during this month of the Holy Rosary. We turn to you in a particular way, asking you to intercede for us here. Take us by the hand. Walk with us this morning. Accompany us. Show us into the heart of your son, into those new places that he desires to have us rest. So we crown you the queen of our gathering here as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want to read from John's Gospel. Last night I was at Our Lady of Refuge. Some of you were there. And so I'm just going to continue reading John 14. I left off last night at verse 14. 
So I'll pick up this morning with verse 15. So the context here is the Last Supper. These last chapters of John from from 13 in particular to 17 are perhaps some of the most intimate, some of the most beautiful thoughts and feelings that Jesus expressed during his time with his apostles, his best friends. And St. John gives us a very unique insight and, and glimpse of the heart of Jesus. So this is John 14, 15, verse, verses 15 and following. This is Jesus speaking. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Forever. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you, in other words. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. You know, thinking about his crucifixion and burial. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them, reveal myself to them. So let's unpack this a little bit. If you love me, keep my commands, which is a kind of act of, of faith, of course, and, and trust, right? That God actually gives us his commandments to keep us on track. When we're keeping the commandments, it's a sure way of encountering God. It's not that God needs us, in a sense, to keep the commandments as if he gets some kind of gratification out of that. That's not the point. And he's certainly not trying to, to uh, you know, cramp our style or, or somehow impose his will on us. No, but it's, it's a way, really, for us to encounter God and his love and his mercy. If you think about it, God waited thousands of years to give the commandments. So it's not that he preferred to do that. But the Israelites had become so hard-hearted, right? There they were. They had just been liberated in a miraculous way, up out of Egypt, right? Through the Red Sea, they get out into the desert and, you know, Moses delays a little bit on top of the mountain praying with God. What do they do? Collect all their, you know, jewelry, melt it down, make a golden calf and start worshiping it and having an orgy. In case you never knew, that's what was going on, right? And God's like, uh, (laughs) these people, Right? So God's like, all right, I'm going to have to make it really explicit here. I'm going to have to make it very clear for them. And I will ask, Jesus goes on here, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. 
So now it's not just going to be the law on stone tablets, right? But as Ezekiel prophesied, I will write my law on their hearts. So God is going, what, what has God done? He's literally infused his life and his love, his law, if you will, because his law is that of love, into our hearts. So now that we have the spirit of God, we can actually think the thoughts of God. We can hear him. We can feel him, right? And he can move in us and with us and through us. He is our advocate. If the, if the devil is the accuser, and that's one of the, the meanings of Satan, the accuser, in the book of Revelation, we read that the accuser has been defeated. He's been cast out. How? By the blood of the lamb, right? So Satan is the one who accuses us. He tempts us, and then as soon as he gets us to fall, he wags his finger in our face and he accuses us. Guilty! Guilty! But, but now we have an advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So it's like the wind. It's very simple, right? We don't see the wind, right? But we, we see its effects. There's not much of a wind today. <laughs> but nevertheless, we've all seen the trees moving in the wind, right? We've felt the wind in our face. So we don't see it, but we feel it. So it is with the Holy Spirit. So I trust that you've all felt the Holy Spirit at times. I've heard some great stories. I've had some beautiful experiences myself, how the Spirit has literally, you know, touched me. Touched me. <laughs> Got your phone there? <laughs> So the Spirit is wanting to make his presence felt. The Holy Spirit, as I like to say, his job is to make manifest or to reveal the presence of God, the glory of God, the goodness of God, the sweetness of God. All of that honey in the rock talk. <laughs> the goodness, taste and see the goodness of the Lord. How sweet it is to be loved by you, God. How sweet it is. To be loved by you. And it's the Holy Spirit that allows us to experience that. And it's not that it can't be mediated through each other because it should be, right? God certainly wants us to love each other and to support each other and to love us through each other and with each other and in each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. So, again, it's hard sometimes, especially today, right? There is a lot of persecution. There's a lot of confusion around our identity in Christ. I think society is having one big identity crisis because we don't know God. And so if we don't know God, how can we know who we are? That we were literally created in his love. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Trinity. 
They chose to create us. They didn't have to. (laughs) We don't have to be here. So what does that mean? That God wanted us to be here. God wanted you to be. (laughs) And each and every one of you is a unique reflection of his love. So when he looks at you, he sees something totally unique. And for him, it moves him in a unique way. You know, I get this a lot. Father, God loves everybody. You know, yeah, I know God loves me, but God loves everybody. So what's so special about his love for me? Have you ever thought that before? <laughs> we all have, right? We all have. Well, let's, let's dive into that, right? Let's unpack that a little bit. It is true that his love for you is unique because there's nobody else like you. So as I like to say, you are a unique blend of truth, goodness, and beauty. So he put a little bit of truth, a little bit of goodness, a little bit of beauty, right? Shake it up, right? So each one of you is different, is unique, is special to him. He's like, oh, yeah. You know, after each and every one of us was created, he like broke the mold, if you will, right? (laughs) He broke the mold. So there's, there's nobody else out there like you. So that's why God is especially drawn to you. He's especially drawn to you. And he wants to see you flourish because you represent a dimension of his heart in this world that nobody else does. Sure, you're all women and there is a feminine genius that you all possess, right? As John Paul II liked to call it, the feminine genius. So yes, there's something unique, if you will, about the feminine heart and body and spirit. So yes, you embody a part of God that I don't, right? But then each and every one of you as individual women reflect that feminine heart of God in a unique way. With your intellect, with your emotions, with your will, with your experience, your life experience, your, your sacred story. Each and, every, each and every one of you has a unique story. And God knows that because he's the author of it. Maybe you took the pen out of his hand for a while and started <laughs> writing your own story. But he's like, can I have that back, please? <laughs> can I please have the pen back? I really do have a good story for you. you know? So think about that. You know, how often have we taken the pen out of his hand? It's like, you know. But then we realize, oh, gosh, yeah, that didn't flow very well. <laughs> Lots of grammatical errors there. Whoa. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Missed a few punctuation marks. <laughs> Went a little overboard, Lord. Sorry. Could have really used a period there. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> New paragraph. So, but here we are, right? I mean, you could all be a lot of other places this morning, but you're here, which is a beautiful thing. I like to say that to people when they come to confession for the first time in a long time. You know, I I love that when I hear that as a priest. Father, it's been a long time since I've been to confession. I'm like, ooh, goody, you know, big fish here, you know? (laughs) So how long has it been, you know? I don't say it that way. I'll say, so as it has been like 
months or years? Oh, years, Father. Okay. Well, like two or ten? Yeah, more like 20. Okay, 20. Very good. So, you know, and then they make their confession. But then, you know, despite all of that, well, here you are in the confessional, right? Like, here you are coming before God and asking for forgiveness and receiving his forgiveness and blessing and and, and healing and grace and mercy. Like, wow, how awesome is that? How awesome is that? And he says that he celebrates that. He doesn't hold all the other stuff against you, right? He doesn't see you through that lens. And you could say, in a sense, he, he, he tears out all of those pages from your story, you know? And in his mind, they're gone. They're gone. We, we, of course, we can't really forget those things. Some of the things, right? Hopefully some of the things we can't forget, but some things maybe we just can't forget. Okay. But they don't define us. That's really important. Those things that we're not very proud of, that we might even be ashamed of, they don't define us. And God does not at all define us because, according to our faults. The enemy would definitely want to do that. Absolutely. But not God. That's not who God is. So he goes on. This is beautiful. This is verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you. I will come to you. I will come to you. So that's a promise. There's God making us two promises. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Verse 18, what a beautiful verse. Maybe you just want to highlight that one and and let that soak in, soak it up, sink in and soak it up. Jesus, I believe that you will never leave me. Maybe other people abandoned me. Maybe other people abandoned you. We've all experienced that, I think, to one degree or another. But God has never turned his face from you. Maybe you need to talk to God about that. (coughs) Because, let's face it, at times when our faith isn't so strong, especially when we're younger, you know, it's hard to know that God is watching out for us and that he sees us and that he cares about us when other people around us don't seem to care at all or are just really distracted and not very helpful to say the least. But God never abandoned us and he never will abandon us. And that, again, is referring in an indirect way to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of adoption, the spirit of adoption. So we've all been adopted by God. We've all been, as I like to say, we've all been claimed by God. He claimed us for himself, through himself, in himself. Just keep making acts of faith in that. Jesus, I believe, well, Father, I believe that you claimed me for yourself through Jesus, your son, in the Holy Spirit. 
That's what happened at my baptism. I believe that. That's what the church teaches. Dear God, help me to know that more deeply. Help me to experience that more deeply, more profoundly. As I keep making acts of faith in that. And it's important that we make these acts of faith. I was highlighting that last night. That's how our faith grows. Just like any virtue, any muscle. The more we make an act of faith. Well, the more our faith grows. It may not feel true to you in the moment. For example, Jesus, I believe that I make you perfectly happy. (laughs) He may not really believe that, but just fake it till you make it, you know? Like, just keep proclaiming it. Keep believing in it. Because it's in his word, right? He tells us that he's never going to leave us, that he loves us. That he has prepared a place for us in the Father's house that was earlier in chapter 14. Above these verses. He'll never abandon me. He's going to come to me. He is with me. He is for me. I believe all these things. Lord, help my unbelief. Increase my faith. And he will. He will. Just like this priest who was celebrating Mass in Lanciano. I don't know if he was right in Lanciano when he celebrated Mass. But anyway, right? It's where we have this Eucharistic miracle. This priest struggling with his own faith in the Eucharist. What did God do? Gave him a miracle. And throughout the centuries, God has given us these Eucharistic miracles, for example, to increase our faith. That he's really there. That he's really there. That when he said, this is my body, this is my blood, he wasn't kidding. He wasn't speaking figuratively. But he really meant it. He meant what he said. Because he wanted to be with us all throughout time. He wanted to be with his church. He wanted to accompany his church. As I like to say, he wanted to prolong his presence all throughout time. All throughout time. So, remember, he's out of time at the right hand of the Father, and he's in time with us in the Eucharist, all at the same time. Right? And only God can do that. That's the mystery of the Eucharist. Right? And does he still suffer, in a sense, in the Eucharist? Yeah. So he's in glory at the right hand of the Father, and at the same time, he, he can suffer in the Eucharist still. You know, that'll blow your mind. So again, only in heaven, I think, will we truly appreciate just how amazing the gift of the Eucharist is and was. Once we get on the other side of the veil. So it it speaks to God's Desire. His, his presence in the Eucharist speaks to his desire to be with us, to be with you. And he, his heart literally does ache, in a sense. That's, that's his eros. We talk about erotic love, not sexual love in that sense, but a desire, a passionate love. Eros, from the Greek, eros. 
Well, God has an eros for you. (laughs) He has a desire for you. We know that God is the source of all love, so he's that agape, right? That self-giving love. But then he desires to take you into himself and to hold you all at the same time. So in God, eros and agape are perfectly united. We all struggle with that, but God doesn't struggle with it. But it does, his heart aches. In that sense, he struggles with it, that his heart aches for you. How's the song called, right? There's a hole in my heart that can only be filled by you, right? So he sings that to you from the Eucharist. <laughs> There's a hole in my heart that can only be filled by you. And we're like, nah, that can't be true. Come on, Jesus. Hey, ask him to experience that as true more and more for yourself. Before long, this is verse 19, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. A reference to the resurrection, to to the death, burial, resurrection. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. How will they realize that he is in the Father? Well, because the Father is the Lord of life and the giver of life and will raise him up. The Father raised him through the Holy Spirit. So I'm in the Father. You are in me. And I am in you, so that means that we are in the Father. And the Father is in us. Whoa. (laughs) So that's that interpenetration of the persons of the Trinity. And we get pulled right into that. We've all been, like, grafted into that. Through the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus said, or when he says, I guess it's, the next chapter, right? John 15, when he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. It, it, you know, can awaken in us that sense of being grafted onto Christ and being incorporated into this life of God. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. So again, it's, it's through the commandments, it's through our worship of the Lord. By his grace, his power, his presence, his love, which really facilitates God's revealing himself to us. The ordinary means, if you will, that God reveals himself to us. How does God, or, how does God ordinarily re- reveal himself to us? Through his word and through his sacrament through his word and through his sacrament. Those are the ordinary means that God reveals himself to us. And what's our, what's our proper response to that revelation? Faith. Faith, right? I, I can remember the first time, well, not the first time, but the first time it really struck me a few years ago when I read that, I was like, wow, yeah, that's so simple, but it's, it's really profound and necessary, right? That, that God reveals himself to us and then we need to respond. We need to respond. 
So your faith is not just some intellectual effort that you make, you know? <laughs> I'm just going to believe more. You know, it doesn't work that way. That's absurd, right? Our faith is in response. Our faith is in response to what we have heard and to what has happened to us. And, you know, if you, if you know me or you're getting to know me through my experience at Encounter Ministries in particular over the last several years, what is really emphasized in that school is that whenever Jesus preached, whenever he proclaimed a message, he always demonstrated its veracity with power. Right? So he proclaimed a message and then he demonstrated power through words and deeds, through, or through signs and wonders. So the gospel was proclaimed with words and deeds, both and, not either or. The gospel was always proclaimed with words and deeds. And that's something for all of us to participate in, not just Jesus, right? At the end of Mark's gospel, let me read it for you in case you don't believe me, you know. (laughs) At the end of Mark's gospel, chapter 16, it says... And verse 17, Mark 16, 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Do you believe? Then these signs will accompany you in your life. Ready? Take note. (laughs) In my name, so in the name of Jesus, they will drive out demons. They will speak new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Five five promises there. Five signs that will accompany those who believe. Not just the priests, not just the Pope, right? But those who believe. So there you go. I think that's important for us to, to keep in mind that God wants our faith to rest, not just on a dead letter, right? The word of God is not a dead letter. It's the living word of God because it communicates not just a message, but a power. It communicates divine life. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, spirit of love, it's communicated to us. Whenever we read scripture, whenever we receive the blessed sacrament, if we're, if we're open to that, right? If we're disposed, if we're seeking, if we're knocking, if we're asking. So let's ask. Let's, let's wrap this up here. Let's, let's do some activations as we say. Let's, let's make some acts of faith here and, and let's ask God as a, as a body here this morning for these graces. So you can just repeat after me. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you. We want you. We want you. 
We are hungry for you. We are hungry for you. And for your love. And for your love. And your presence. And your presence. And your peace. And your peace. And your joy. And your joy. And your light. And your light. And your love. And your love. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Just receive that for a moment. receive it. I'll just keep praying for a moment. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. I'm feeling that electricity. I don't know what you're feeling, but I feel the anointing. God is answering our prayer. You might feel warmth, tingling. You might be getting words or infused knowledge of his presence, of his love for you. You might be getting an image in your imagination. Just be open to receiving the Lord. Repeat with me, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I believe that you are here. I believe that you are here. I believe that you are with me. I believe that you are in me. Make your presence felt. Please increase my faith. Just be aware. What are you feeling? What are you, what are you seeing? What's God doing? You can just make an act of faith in your own heart. Lord, I believe that's you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for for, for making your presence felt. Thank you for reassuring me that you are here with me. Repeat after me. Jesus, I believe believe that you know me. me. Jesus, Jesus, I believe that you see me. Jesus, I believe believe that you care about me. me. Jesus, show me your face. Show me your your heart. heart. I want to see you. I want to to know you you. in an experiential way. way. Come Holy Spirit. Do your job job. in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Show me the Father Father. through the Son Son. in the Spirit. The Spirit has highlighted things for you this morning as I was speaking, as we were reading the scriptures, as you were learning about this Eucharistic miracle. God was already highlighting things for you. He was already highlighting things for you or he was stirring up things in your heart, things that happened to you. 
who is already stirring things up in your heart today, in your mind, in your memory, in your, in your emotions. Ask him right now, Jesus, Jesus. what do you want me to know? What are you highlighting for me? Why are you highlighting that? What do you want me to know? Show me. Help me to receive it. Help me to receive your love. Help me to know that I make you perfectly happy. So those thoughts that you noticed today, we were in silence, you know, we came here and we got to visit for a little bit, but then we started diving in to the supernatural. We heard about a miracle, a Eucharistic miracle. So we were being invited through that into the supernatural, which is to say above nature, which is to say the divine, the eternal, We've been waiting in eternal waters here this morning. Heaven and earth are already starting to come together. We haven't even had mass yet. But through our conversation here, through this meditation, through these presentations, heaven and earth have already been united in your mind, in your heart, in your body. Because you are a child of God. Your citizenship is in heaven, Paul says. Let's declare that out loud. I believe believe that my citizenship is in heaven. I have a passport passport for the heavenly city, city. the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem. I have a place place in the Father's house house. that God himself has prepared for me. So notice what happened here today. As I said, we entered into supernatural truths and realities. They were brought to our attention. You were paying attention to these supernatural realities and what happened. And we were quiet, you know, we were kind of blocking out the noise, all of the, you know, the exterior noises, right? And, and what happened? What happened? God spoke to you. God spoke to you. You had certain thoughts that were highlighted for you. You had certain emotions that were highlighted for you. You had certain experiences here in body and soul and spirit. God was working. God was at work here. Do you want to believe that? 
I want to believe it. I want to believe that that's what happened here this morning. I believe that 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 is what is happening here this morning. If you want to believe that, make that act of faith in your own heart, in your own mind right now. God, I believe that you are at work here. God, I believe that you are moving here. What's my point, dear sisters? It's not rocket science. You don't have to be a nun. You don't have to be a consecrated woman. You don't have to be an empty nester, right? All you gotta do is make a little space, make a little time, and God will honor that. God will honor that. God honored it here today, and he's going to keep honoring it. God reverenced you. God honored you as as only he can do, as he loves to do, because you are precious to him. Does God need this time? No, technically speaking, no. Is it necessary for him? No. But does he want it? Does he desire it? Yes. Yes. But do we need this? (laughs) Yes, we do. If we are going to thrive, if we are going to thrive, we need this. We need this Encounter. We need this experience. We need this reminder. We need this truth. We need this goodness. We need this beauty. We need this contact. We need this connection. We need this communion. We need this intimacy with the living God. We need it. The quality of your life depends on it. quality of your life depends on it. The abundant life that Jesus came to give us can only be accessed through faith right now. This side of heaven, we need the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love to have this kind of encounter with the living God. But as I, I believe you all experienced here this morning, It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. But think about what what can typically happen to you. If this isn't typical for you, and I, I know it is for some of you, but if it's not, ask yourself, why is that? You know, do I put the morning news on? What are the first things that I, that I listen to, that I watch? What are the first things that I think about every morning? Do I look at my calendar and my agenda before I look at the word, before I look at the face of God? And this is not to condemn anybody or to make anybody feel guilty. It's to simply call to mind 
the better part. (laughs) The better part. Not that those things aren't necessary, not that you don't have to do them. But I promise you, I promise you that if you seek his face and you seek first the kingdom of God, all of those other things, God will help you take care of them and he will take care of them. He will carry the burdens with you and for you. And you'll have much more peace, much more joy, much more strength, much more wisdom. So Lord, we thank you for the ways that you have revealed yourself to us here this morning. So beautiful, so good, Lord. Help us, Lord, to come to you, to answer your invitation. God actually invites us each and every morning. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord.